0: Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please support this podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Taco Supremo. Challenge me
1: right now. 1997 was the best year of our lives. The Counting Crows, Mariah Carey and Hansen were breaking the charts an unknown author publishes her first novel, something about a sorcerer's stone. We just cloned a sheep. Why? Who cares? The comet hell-bop-dippy-dop-dop-doo-wop soars over our heads as the price of Kool-Aid stock reaches new highs. Mike Tyson tries a human ear. Both PlayStation 1 and Nintendo 64 launches. And as kids were at home playing with bananas in pajamas, so was our president Bill Clinton in his Oval Office. I mean, glorious year, right?
0: Uh, That's wonderful, John. But while you were busy celebrating, a 52-year-old attorney from Massachusetts was desperately searching for his wife of five months. They were attending a pharmacy conference in Philadelphia, and when she didn't show up for her continental breakfast, Judy Smith became one of the missing.
1: So if you guys haven't noticed yet, every month, Savannah from The Missing podcast, she collaborates with us and we do a special episode And it's always a fun time because she always picks some really interesting ones. And tonight is no exception. It's a fantastic story. And Nicole actually knows this story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Both her and I interviewed with Savannah last night. And we all talked about the story. So Jen is the only one who doesn't know this story or anything about it yet. So I'm going to deliver the story as I always do. And then we're going to play some of Savannah's clips in here In the middle of things because she did a lot of independent research and she brought a lot to the table that even I didn't think about when I was doing this story. So so tonight we are going to April 9th, 1997. We're actually starting at the home of a recently married couple, Judy and Jeffrey Smith.
0: I was almost like, Wow. What? what? <laughs> I forgot I know the story. <laughs> <laughs> Shit.
1: All right. April ninth, nineteen ninety seven. They're in Newton. Massachusetts? Yep. Tell us about it, Jen.
2: Newton, Massachusetts is just outside of Boston. Um it's a pretty wealthy area. And
1: so obviously you didn't grow up in around there? I did not. Judy and Jeffrey Smith, they were happily married for five months now. However, as we'll talk about in a little bit, they've been together for 10 years and living together for three. So they recently tied the knot. And even before this, Judy has been accompanying her husband, Jeffrey, at multiple conferences around the world. A few of them were actually on cruises and everything else.
2: What kind of business is he in?
1: He is a prominent attorney, okay, but he attends these pharmacy conferences. I guess what he does is he's an attorney for the pharmaceutical companies, okay and for things like medical like
2: malpractice, maybe or I,
1: I don't know I'm not sure exactly because and just a disclaimer with this story, there's hardly no information about this story. I had to dig pretty deep, and so we're going off a few sources, but I do know that he is an attorney. He is wealthy, so she is wealthy too, and they are on the way to Logan International Airport to attend the Northeast Pharmacy Conference in Center City, Pennsylvania. All right, Nicole, where is Pennsylvania from Boston?
0: Um, from Massachusetts, it's, it's about a six-hour drive south. Um, so it's a it's a quick plane ride, less than an hour away. Yeah, probably like forty-five <clears throat> minutes.
1: All right, now, like I said, they've been to several of these conferences, so she has traveled a lot in her life, but. Regardless, she shows up at the airport with her new husband to go to this conference and she forgets her ID. And
0: mm. I thought
1: that this was kind of shady at first. But then Savannah, she brought up a good point that this was around. This is before nine eleven, obviously. Yeah. And this is around the time when they started requiring photo IDs. I, I had no idea about that. But so you'll hear us talking about how experienced of a traveler she is and she's been everywhere and like how would she forget it but she may have not have needed it for all the other trips
0: right like you it's may have new... only needed your physical ticket right it, exactly it, it was a new requirement so it may not have been a big deal if you for if you didn't have it or with you. it may not have been a requirement but it may have been a suggestion or was it a right. requirement it it just became a law when she forgot it <laughs>
3: I had read that they had just made it a law that you had to have your driver's license to get on the plane. So it was a new law, which might describe why she forgot it.
1: Well, how else would you? You had to have some sort of identification, right? Or before that. No, it didn't matter.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I just know. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that year in 1997, they had just made the law.
0: But I mean, it makes sense that you would but, have to, like, validate who you are, but maybe... If this is before
2: 9-11. Like, uh,
0: if, if you've got a credit card with their name on it, like, maybe that's okay, you know? Or some... You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you can identify yourself in other ways versus a, a photo ID. Yeah, the from, whole driver's
3: license, which we we'll, we can go into later, but it's all... It's really weird to me that she forgot it anyway, just because it looks like when you're going on a trip to another state, like, you're going to bring your ID if you're going to bring anything. Like, yeah, even if you're not driving, you need your I.D. for stuff. So did they allow her to get on the plane?
1: No, they didn't allow her to get on the plane. So she was talking to her husband because they wouldn't allow her on the plane. And they decided that she's going to go home, get the I.D. and get on a another flight and meet him at the conference later that night. In Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. Correct. He gets on US Airways flight seven sixty two. He leaves Boston at three thirty PM. He gets to Pennsylvania, what, two hours later?
2: Not even. Three
1: hours later. I mean
2: I can see why that's not that big of a deal than if they were just going to Philly because it's such a short flight. Now right. if they were going somewhere like LA or even Florida, he'd be waiting around for a couple at least three hours because, you know, he'd have to wait for her to go back and come back to the airport and go get the stuff um
1: she gets she gets on a plane about seven thirty she makes it to Pennsylvania she walks in the she walks into the hotel lobby nine thirty or ten at night and supposedly she brings flowers for her husband as an apology so she did make it to pennsylvania now the The reason I'm going over that so much in detail is because a lot of people think she wasn't even on the plane to begin with really. Yeah, and we'll go over that in a second. But they hugged, kissed, went upstairs, had coitus, probably. They ate pizza. (laughs) That
0: that part is speculation. (laughs) That that is speculation. (laughs) It's also another reason why you have to be very careful about what you
2: do with your sheets in the hotel room when you stay at hotels, because they don't necessarily clean them.
1: They had pizza in the room, room service. They wake up the next morning. The conference is about to start. And Jeff... The husband goes to the Continental Breakfast, which is actually on the same floor. They had it in a room. This was on the 24th floor. And he actually waits on his wife, Judy, but she's in the shower. And she's like, no, I can't go like this. I got to get ready, yada, yada, yada. You just go ahead. And then that was the last time he's ever seen her alive.
2: Was when she was in the shower? Was when
1: she was in the shower. So what the plan was for her is she was going to, while he was in the conference, she was going to walk around and see the sights, and not, not just walk around, but get on the tour bus and see like the Liberty Bell and whatever else there is to do in Pennsylvania. So it's mm-hmm. not
2: like she was going to join him in the sessions at no, the no, conference. No, no, no. Yeah, right. exactly. She was doing her
0: own thing. Okay. While Yeah, she was doing
1: her own thing. In the meeting. Yeah, because I mean, freaking- A pharmacy conference. I'm going to tell my God.
0: Boring. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'd rather listen to quackery. So the next morning, after he saw her, that was the last time that she was seen alive, at least by him. So he gets back from the conference. Now, this is dinner time. She's still not back. He gets a little worried. So he gets a taxi, and he drives around, and they actually follow the bus route. I guess there's a famous bus tour that goes through there. So the taxi followed the bus tour route, and obviously she was nowhere to be found.
2: Did he get off at every stop?
1: I I don't know. I doubt it. I think it was just one taxi. But it was probably late at night too. Anyway, he goes to the police station that night and tries to file a missing persons report, but they tell him it's too early. She's probably... Yeah, They tell him you got
0: to wait 24 hours. Yeah.
2: And this is really before, like, I mean, not before before, but like before cell phones were. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. there were some cell phones, but not everyone had a cell phone back then. Yeah, definitely not.
1: So she was gone completely. Now, she was found eventually. Dead? Yes. Her skeleton, actually. Oh. We're going to get to that in a second. Let me tell you a little bit about her first. And the reason this is such a strange case is because of where she was found. Okay. Right. But right now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. And if you're new to this podcast, go to talkmurder.com. I put all the sources up there. I put the photos. You can see what Judy Smith looks like. You can see what the husband, Jeff, you know, the killer looks like.
0: Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can see everything. No. On oh, that. I
0: just said it like I agreed with it. I, I, <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Totally. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't. I mean, I was paying attention, but I just like I don't know. I just went along with it. Then never mind. I, so
1: go to go talkmore. dot com to see all those photos. What oh. you're looking at is her and her husband, right there. That's Jeffrey Smith, the lawyer, and she was actually a home care nurse. Why are you making that face?
2: <laughs> I just feel like she can do better. That's all. Okay, I can't really judge because here I am sitting single and be like, yeah, she can do so much better. But like, in well, reality, look at his face. At least
1: she has somebody. Tell me this guy doesn't lie yet. Look at his face.
2: He does. He looks
1: like Job of the Hut. Yep, for
0: sure. <laughs> It feels so mean saying it.
1: (laughs) It does. And what is Jabba the Hutt? Is that like a lizard?
0: No, he's he's an alien from Star Wars. I
1: know that, but is he like a lizard alien or what?
2: I guess. I don't know. I I do have like a really funny anecdote. Oh, Oh, baby Baby Jabba. Jabba. He's cute, but (sighs) Jeff Smith does not look like baby Jabba.
1: All right, so I'm going to go through the details of Judith Eldridge. Judith Smith, that's her married name.
2: Eldridge, 50, I knew someone with the last name Eldridge from the area.
1: 50 years old at the time she went missing. She was born 1946 in Cape Cod. She was married right out of high school, but that failed immediately. It's actually really sad because she's had some failed marriages, and the first one wasn't even some? her fault. Yeah, so she's this is her third marriage.
2: That's like, oh, okay, I was gonna say that's like more than two when you say some.
1: She meets her first husband straight out of high school. She's 18 or 19. They get married. But around this time, right after they get married, the Vietnam War breaks out. Mm. And instead of being drafted, her new husband flees to Sweden. Oh. To avoid the draft. A draft dodger. A draft dodger. But anyway, she actually... Says, oh, he just did that for the war. I understand. She travels all the way to Europe to find him. And she does. She hunts him down like a bloodhound.
2: <laughs> Good for her.
1: But she comes back alone um, with his dick in, his, in her pocket.
0: No, that's also not true. <laughs>
1: that's not true. <laughs>
0: the geisha. She, yeah. she,
1: comes, she comes back alone. Her second marriage ended fairly quickly, too. But at first, she got a son and daughter. Now, his name was Charles Bradford and... He was a racetrack worker for the horse races and everything else. Mm. And for some reason, I couldn't find any details about this besides his name. That ended very quickly as well. So going on 25 whatever years, she hasn't been married until now. Now it's five months into her marriage when she goes missing at the age of 50. Mm. A little bit about her background. As I said, she was born in Cape Cod. Her parents actually owned a diner. They weren't rich by any means, but... They did okay. What
2: was the name of the diner? Maybe I've been there.
1: Um, I think it's called Jen's Not Allowed Diner.
2: Oh, then definitely haven't
1: been there. She does have a twin brother and a younger brother, but she's exchanged from both of them, so they don't talk at all. The Philadelphia Inquirer, 31st August, 1997. The husband, Jeffrey, says, quote, Judy had significant periods of time when she was very poor. This is about her background. She didn't really seek a profession until she was about 30, which I kind of got the fact that he was almost talking down to her because Mm. Jeffrey Smith, you know, whether he had anything to do with this, he came from a very prominent family of wealth and money.
2: And she Very
1: rich family. And she came from nothing. Mm. So that quote alone It was almost like, well, she didn't do anything until she was 30. I I don't know. It just it rubbed me the wrong way. Anyway,
3: one thing I did want to say about about that part of Judy's life, like the marriages and everything, you know, it sounds like the guys kind of uh, messed things up for her in the marriages, but everybody described Judy as being like a woman that didn't take crap that like if she if you weren't if she wasn't happy with you she was going to tell you and she would just move on with her life she wasn't worried about being tied down to somebody or you know she wasn't going to take bad treatment so i thought i thought that was really interesting to read too
1: remember i said the second husband breaks up with her Mm -hmm. now she's a single mom Mm -hmm. she's actually working 70 hours a week she's on welfare supporting two kids she she is a trooper and any free time that she has which is not much is spent with her kids, she actually takes her kids to Spain, France, Italy. They backpack through the whole thing. Oh, wow. And she also studies and gets her nursing license. That's awesome. She actually pulls her whole family, because she's a single mom, out of poverty, out of welfare, and buys a house in Massachusetts. Now, the, how she met Jeff, her husband, the killer, mm. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Way is, to
0: bias the story.
1: Is Judy was a home health care nurse. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and she was actually taking care of his father. Okay. And his father was on his deathbed at the time, and he was a very prominent attorney as well. Mm. Let's just say this is from the newspaper. Um, I read this. Jeff comes from money and privilege. That was the exact quote the editor of the newspaper mm. used. Now, this is before she was found, So did and she, Jeff was a suspect. So did, they were... Yeah, go ahead.
2: Did she meet him
0: by being her fa- his father's yeah, yeah, yeah. health care worker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's okay. how they met. Okay. You know. So they knew each other and were dating for 10 years before they got married. Did decide to get married. Probably cuz she was a little hesitant after having two failed marriages. Yeah. But still, that's a long time. Yeah,
2: it's a long like, time to know somebody.
0: If you like it then you got to put a ring on it.
2: Yeah. Well, oh, oh
1: oh. Oh 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 oh. Something better may come along. You don't want to rush into things.
2: Yeah. That's why all my marriages have failed.
1: Now, you got to do the mom test. You got to see what the mom looks like. If the mom is still hot, then you're good to go.
3: So September 7th of 1997, a dad and son were deer hunting out of season in the Pisgah National Forest, which is near Asheville. And they found human remains that were supposedly wrapped up in a blue blanket. But they were kind of scattered um, around a 300-foot area, but they believe the scattering was by animals because the body had been left in, the, in the, wo- the forest. But there was a shallow grave in the center, and the skeleton was partially buried, but it was still dressed. This was um, near the Stony Fork picnic area, which is um, near Chestnut Creek, and it's nine miles from Asheville.
0: So, how were they able to identify that it was actually her?
3: Uh, well, the the medical examiner looked at the bones and determined that it was a white female between forty and fifty five years old. She had had extensive dental work done, and she had severe arthritis in her left knee. She had cutting marks on her ribs, and her bra had cuts and punctures on it, like some you know, like a knife. And the medical examiner ruled it a fatal stabbing and a homicide. So an ER doctor in Franklin, North Carolina, saw an article about this body that was found in the local newspaper. And he remembered getting one of those flyers from Jeff's private investigators at his hospital. So he uh, reached out and the dental records confirmed that it was Judy by the end of September. And From Philadelphia to this area in the Pisgah National Forest, it was like 600 miles. And if she drove it, it would have been a 10-hour drive.
1: So basically six months later, after she goes missing, two hunters hunting off-season in the Pisgah National Forest, which is up there near Asheville, which is a beautiful city. Mm -hmm. They were up there hunting. They found a shallow grave. They find some bones. And they find some stuff that were they find some stuff that's buried, like a backpack and everything else. They, The medical examiner eventually identified the bones as Judy Smith from Pennsylvania that went missing hmm. all the way in North Carolina up a hiking trail. Now, to get up on that trail, because I know what you're thinking, well, the killer dumped her body up there. You have to hike up there. So if the killer... The killer could not drag her up there. Right. It's up a not freaking easily. mountain. Yeah. Right, right. right. Plus the victim was wearing hiking clothes at the time. Really? Yeah. So she
2: must have been with someone that she trusted in order to hike up a mountain.
1: Here's the question about this case and what makes it so strange. How did Judy Smith go missing in Pennsylvania and six months later her bones are found in a national forest in North Carolina, over 600 miles away, wearing hiking clothes and just and found by two hunters. That's what's really strange about this case, obviously.
2: Yeah, I mean, that is strange considering that, you know, she was, you said she was confirmed to go into the hotel in Pennsylvania. Like, she was in Pennsylvania
1: for sure. I don't know for sure. Here's a few things that we do know, Mm -hmm. if you want to tell us, Nicole.
0: Well, we do know that the ticket was used. Um, So even so she got on the 730 flight out of Boston since she didn't get on the earlier flight. And so apparently and I I don't know how you can prove this today now um, being so long after, but they did validate that her ticket was used. But the weird thing is that nobody on the flight, well, it's not necessarily weird. Nobody remembers her. Nobody remembers seeing her. Now, there was an eyewitness account um, from somebody at the hotel that claims that they remember the flower situation. Like, she arrived with flowers and gave them to her husband. But, John, didn't we talk last night that that was a misremembrance? So maybe she did get on
2: a flight to Pennsylvania. I mean, well, she did cuz it said it was validated, but maybe it was just a layover. Maybe they maybe he didn't go to that conference. Maybe they were taking a trip to North Carolina to Charlotte cuz Pennsylvania is a common layover spot. No, he was
1: he, he was, was guaranteed he was in the, the conference. conference because he talked to the city mayor and the senators there at the conference, it was a big thing, and plus he was a speaker. Mm. He was definitely at the conference. So he
2: talked to Mayor Menino then,
1: but nobody. No, he,
2: t- he talked to the mayor of Philadelphia, but oh, nobody right. knows. <laughs> I forget that we're going from Boston to Philadelphia.
1: The registration clerk, the one with the flowers that you said at the Double Tree, her name was Stacy Stacy Wong. She tells police that she sees someone that looked like Judy Smith. This is why I don't like witness statements. Yeah, that Wednesday night. She said she thought she saw Jeff give Judy flowers. This is directly from the newspaper. That's what she says. Now, Vuong, in an interview for the article here from the Philadelphia Inquirer, said that she actually gave Judy Smith a room key that night, or someone that had identification for her. But... She saw Judy Smith again the next morning in the lobby, but when she rechecked her schedule, she realized that she had not worked that morning and could not have seen her at all.
3: Whoa. Yeah, and that's that's the crazy thing with eyewitness testimony is that... You
1: know, and I want to say this article right here, the detective James Sweeney, who was the head of the case, he doesn't even think she showed up to Philadelphia. You can... You can definitely tell he is really suspicious. He says, quote, there are many strange coincidences you don't know what to think. She didn't get on the plane with him. They meet in the lobby. They go to breakfast separately. And she doesn't have much female stuff in the hotel room. The only thing that was in the hotel room was uh, a few was a bag of pink curlers found in the bathroom sink. There was no makeup, hairbrushes, cosmetics. There were some women's clothes, but not much. It wasn't like, you know, Nicole's going to a hotel.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was one thing I was going to bring up, was that um, her the clothes, like, she didn't bring cosmetics, like you said, but her daughter said that that was typical. I guess she didn't, maybe she didn't wear makeup a lot, or she didn't bring it on trips with her. It's weird to me, but the daughter said that she didn't typically bring it. But when they did search the hotel room, Judy's clothes hadn't been worn. She took her shower and would have had to put yesterday's clothes back on. I remember the
0: daughter saying that was not atypical of her mom either. Like she would wear, you know, not pack very lightly for trips and wear the same clothes.
3: And one big factor as far as the eyewitness testimonies... Is that Judy always had a red backpack that she wore? So you'll see in a lot of the eyewitness testimonies through this case, people remembering this red backpack. But it's kind of it's on topic. But if you've have you guys ever watched that show Brain Games? Yeah, the show that used to I've, come on yeah. the Discovery Channel. And there's yeah. a, I think there, we saw
0: a couple on Netflix. I think there's they put actually some on there. one
3: episode on eyewitness testimony where they do this this scene in this crowd where this guy takes something from somebody else, and then they ask everybody that was around what they saw and who they think did it. And the, everybody saw something different. They couldn't remember anything mm-hmm. the same. And it's really interesting if you yeah. read about and it. And
0: if people know, oh, there's a red backpack, suddenly they see a red backpack. That's what I'm right? saying. Yeah. I say
1: that on every yeah. episode, that you can't trust it. Because as soon as, like Kanika Jenkins, the woman and the, the girl in the freezer... You know, as soon as she dies and she's found in the freezer, everyone's like, "Wow, she was acting so strange last night." But if that didn't happen at all, they would think none, you know, none the wiser. No one would think that. But now you're like, "Whoa, yeah, she did say something weird." It's like, you know,
3: yeah. And then when some you're like
1: hyper focused on it now.
3: Yeah, and then when the police go around showing you a picture of somebody and asking you if you've seen them, all of a sudden you've seen that person somewhere. And you have some memory, but it might not even the person you saw might not even look like the person in the picture. Yeah, where your brain can play play games on you like that.
0: Oh, and the other weird thing, um, which I mean, it's gone both ways, was about um, her belongings. So people have commented that there she did not have a lot of female belongings in the hotel room, mm. and so did she? E- was she even there? So there were some clothes that were not worn um and but there was no like makeup they found curlers but some are are saying you know oh well that's more evidence that she wasn't even there mm-hmm. like the husband just brought a couple of yeah. things uh, but the daughter said well that's actually not uncommon for yeah. for her mom to either travel lightly or not bring makeup like she would have she wore put on the same clothes that she wore on her flight to go sightseeing. Yeah. Okay. Basically. So but only... her daughter attested that, like, that would not be out of the ordinary. So if so it mom. was a short trip, she would have probably only brought, like,
2: pajamas was, and a right. change of underwear or right. something. Yeah. Right.
1: Now, none of Judy's family believe it's the husband. They all had the nicest things to say about him. And they not for one second believe it's the husband. Not only that, but he did hire two private investigators because the cops kept focusing on him and he wanted to find Judy. He hires two private investigators, which eventually leads to the identification because the private investigator actually sent one of the flyers to this dental practice in North Carolina. And that's how it made. And that's how the connection was made, because there's no there's no database for dental records. Right. You know, it is all.
0: At the, this point in time.
1: Well, I don't think there ever will be. It's not like a fingerprint database. We, we don't have a decor We don't have a database for that. OK. So the husband even though the cops think he had something to do with it everyone else doesn't believe that.
2: So I mean if if the husband is ruled out of it then maybe what could have happened she was abducted when she was sightseeing and then maybe formed some sort of Stockholm syndrome and went willingly up the mountain with her captor. Yeah. That's you know. a really
1: good theory. And that's very plausible too. The first thing I had trouble accepting in this case is if this is even Judy. Here's what was found on the trail. She had hiking outfits. She was wearing thermal underwear, completely different clothes. She had sunglasses that were valued at $150, which her family will attest to. to She would never, ever wear those. She also had a blue backpack. And as you'll hear Savannah say, she was known for carrying a red backpack. That was like her thing. Mm -hmm. So the, Blue backpack was completely, completely out of the norm for her.
0: Okay. Well, the the detectives in the case actually think that the sunglasses and the backpack belong to the killer. Mm.
1: To identify the body, they basically use three things. Number one, she has an arthritic knee, which I don't think is very human. I who doesn't? Number two, she had a wedding ring that supposedly matched. I, I don't know. I don't know much about wedding rings.
0: Savannah and I got into much debate with you last night about this. If it was if it was just a band, we get it. But it was the di- She was wearing the diamond ring, and what are the odds that both the dental record and a diamond ring don't match? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's the same. the The daughter cannot easily identify that. You know.
1: This is where like I first stopped on the case and. I believe it's possible that that's not her at all.
3: I I read that theory too.
1: Because all right, here's how they identified her. Number 1, she has arthritis in her left knee. Okay, so do I. Boom. All yeah. right, number 2, she has they identified her through her dental records because she was a skeleton. Yeah. And the the teeth are the last thing to go when uh, it starts decomposing. So the she had dental work. I have found nowhere that I, and I've researched this for like an hour straight, I could not find a definite answer on how accurate that is. I know it's not 100% accurate. A fingerprint is different because everyone has a very unique sig- signature. Dental work is not as efficient because first they... They determine this, you know, the the shape of your teeth and they can determine from that what sex you are, male or female. So as a woman, a white woman and even roughly the age, then they look at the structure of the teeth. And if they, you know, because maybe they have an overbite or something that's very prominent. But a lot of people have those things. Yeah. You know, and I know it's is it's a minuscule chance that, you know, it. it is not her or whatever, but I'm trying to say that is not a hundred percent accurate. There's, there's not, you know what I'm saying? It's not DNA sperm or anything. It's not a hundred percent accurate. It's a judge of, wow, this teeth does look just like what her records show. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. a lot of people have that. Or it
0: can be a match, but it could match someone else. Could match someone
1: else. It's not a hundred percent accurate. Plus those bones were decaying.
0: I had never thought about that theory
3: until I was re-looking at this case and that was brought up. Was that it might not have been her.
0: From what you read, Savannah, what was that justification? Like what were they going the same route as the Yeah, they they and stuff believed too? the
3: same thing, but I think and a- another thing that might go in that direction as far as it not being her is that basically everything she was wearing didn't match what they thought Judy would have had.
0: What about so, the wedding ring?
3: Yeah, well, the, so wedding ring. And the wedding ring. The wedding, To me, it's, not- the, it's the wedding ring and the money. When they found her, she was wearing jeans, <laughs> thermal underwear, and hiking boots. She didn't have a wallet or ID. And she had a blue and black backpack instead of this red backpack she always had. And the backpack had winter clothes in it and $80 in cash. But nearby, they found a t-shirt that was buried, and it had $87 in the pocket, which is a total of 167 And Judy was thought to have had 200 when she disappeared
1: thought to have had
3: yeah thought to have had based That's on just like Jeff's. the
1: witness testimony it's like yeah, yeah i'm pretty sure she had two hundred dollars i i discount that a hundred percent from the start that the wedding ring that is a little more hard that yeah. is harder for me to discount but if she goes missing and her ring is found is this her ring? You don't, I don't know, know what her ring looks like? Uh, yeah, it's...
0: There are so many... People have so many different types of wedding bands. I was about bands. to say, though... I, but it I,
1: wasn't engraved or anything. The
0: combination of... I was about to say, was this But he ring, is a guy. He does not know. The daughter would have been able to identify yes. it. Yes.
3: and no. And do yes. we know if this ring was just like a gold wedding band that everybody has? Or was it like a diamond? It was a diamond. It was yeah. a diamond. I would like to know that, too. It was a diamond. But, but it also, doesn't have
1: to be hers. It could have been someone else's that had the idea. I'm, wha, the, I'm devil's advocate. I'm saying it is possible that that is not even her body up there.
0: I would say the odds. But that's a of, very slim chance. But it's
1: yes. still a chance.
0: Ve- ve- I mean, that
3: would <laughs> be a chance.
1: like. Because she, wa- all right, she was not wearing the same clothes at all. She didn't have the same backpack. Plus, she's wearing hiking gear. She had to hike up the mountain and she has stab wounds all in her. So she hiked up with somebody. She, they didn't kill her and then drag her up the mountain.
3: But, yeah. Plus,
1: right. she hikes up there of a touristy mountain where there's other passerbys.
3: With severe arthritis.
1: Yeah, it's it doesn't make sense. So the
2: skeletal remains that were found, were they around? The, I know you mentioned that they had an arthritic knee um, But were they the same height, like the same build as Judy?
1: Supposedly. Like I said at the beginning, there's not any public records on this case. So you're basically going off, the medical examiner says is a match. But
0: Well, they used the dental records. The dental
1: records, and I'm not going to go into this, but I don't think the dental records are very accurate. I couldn't actually find, through my research, an exact... Like oh, they're eighty five percent accurate or seventy five percent accurate or even ninety nine point nine percent accurate. I could not find that at all.
0: well, there's a couple of theories, so I think one we have to I think we have to rule out the husband it had anything to do with it whatsoever because one, he was not physically capable of doing it. I mean, we saw what he looked like. he right. physically can't can't do that himself and and bring his wife up there, also, you know. He was in Philadelphia, and then he's back in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So there's no time when he's doing this himself. Yeah, but he could
1: have hired a hitman. Cause cause
0: yeah, but he also like... hired two private investigators. This episode is brought to you by Nipitati Distillery. When you hear the word organic, I'm sure you, like most people, automatically start adding the dollar signs in your head. So when you hear organic vodka or organic gin, you're probably thinking it's going to cost you an arm and a leg and not worth the buy. Here's Traxler Littlejohn, owner of Nipatati. Organic should be affordable to everybody. My biggest principle is this. If you like my liquor, you should be able to buy my liquor on a regular basis. With Nipatati, you can afford excellent tasting, award-winning spirits, and probably about what you're paying already. Don't have Nipatati at a watering hole near you? The best way to get it is to ask.
1: A little bit about Jeffrey Smith, 52 years old. Harvard class of 69. And like I said, he was a product of money and wealth and privilege, but I don't think that matters. The family doesn't believe it's him. So let's roll out the fact that he had anything to do with it. Plus, if it was him, it'd be really ballsy to hire two private investigators. And the only way that he would have been able to do it is obviously hire a hitman. Mm. One other theory is out there that's kind of weak. That I seen is that both him and her went on this together. They were going to fake her death and get the insurance money. She goes down there, but then she gets killed or something happens. And, you know, it didn't work out. She actually gets killed, you know, instead of them plotting it, you know, and then not getting killed.
2: That's a little out there.
1: Yeah, it is really out there. So if the husband didn't do it and we assume that he didn't hire, Hitman, let's move on from there. There is one thing I do need to say. You'll see in some reports that he refused a lie detector test. you got to keep in mind that he is an attorney. And as Savannah and Nicole and I talked about it yesterday, I call them polygraph tests. I believe that's what everyone should call them because lie detector tests puts a negative connotation on it. Mm. Plus, lie detector tests are known to be super inaccurate. Mm -hmm. You can have killers that pass them. And now they look innocent. You can have innocent people that fail them, and now they look guilty.
3: But one exactly. interesting thing is that Jeffrey refused to take a lie detector test unless it was given by the FBI, and the cops found that suspicious. But he, I, was... he was a lawyer.
0: I interpreted that to be... Uh, I felt like the the police were trying to say, like, oh, he refused, but the... What I got from that was he requ- he requested because he felt like he wasn't being taken seriously by the Philadelphia police, yeah, to have the FBI do it instead, um, and that if it and if he allowed them to take the the FBI to take the polygraph and when he was cleared or when he you know was sure that he wasn't lying, he wanted the Philadelphia police to ask the FBI to interfere with the case and take it over. And yeah. that's why the, F- the Philadelphia police said, nope, sorry, we ain't doing it.
1: I personally don't believe he had anything to do with it. I don't think he hired a hitman or anything else. None of the family does. Mm-hmm. So we can only say now that she went either willingly or unwillingly. Mm-hmm. If that is her, here's what I believe the theories should be. Number one, she wanted to escape this life. And of her marriage, she found out it was a mistake. She is not working. Okay. Even though they've been together for 10 years, she goes down to North Carolina. Maybe she meets a killer or maybe she was having an affair, which is highly unlikely because there's no traceable evidence of that, Mm -hmm. no records or anything. Mm -hmm. She gets down there. Then she gets murdered up in the mountain and kind of discarded. Uh, Number two, like you said earlier, she was abducted from Philadelphia and driven all the way to North Carolina, developed some sort of Stockholm syndrome, willingly climbed up the mountain, which detectives believe she actually walked up the mountain herself. Um, If you look at the map, you can see that it is a walk. Even Even if it's a little bit up the mountain, still carrying dead weight body. And Judy was a bigger woman. So carrying her up the mountain is a chore, right? So no one believes that. She did not walk up willingly up the mountain, if that's even her. So either Stockholm Syndrome or maybe she was having an affair with a serial killer that she didn't know. There was also a serial killer that was working in the area at the time. That is a theory I'm throwing out there.
3: There is another big theory we haven't talked about yet. All right. Go on. Go on. The serial killer theory. Oh. Uh.
1: Oh, let me guess, Israel Keys. He kills no, everybody.
3: No. <laughs> well, that was mentioned, but he 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 didn't start until later. So they don't think No, this oh. serial killer, and I usually don't believe this theory, especially since she like was just out in the forest. I don't think it's usually plausible. But this was a guy named Gary Michael Hilton. And he was killing in the Appalachian Mountains in 2000 but one of his victims I didn't believe this until I read this part one of the victims he was tied to that he did kill was tied to a tree near where Judy was found so when was this I think it was um, like two
0: years before
3: yeah it was it was sometime in the 2000 2000- in 2000
0: I think it's definitely plausible. I mean, she was killed by somebody. Like this wasn't—they weren't self-inflicted wounds. Team yeah. Savannah and myself think it's definitely <laughs> her and the Asheville Mountain. I don't know
3: if I believe that theory, but I mean, it's it's possible.
0: It could have been him, or I mean, she was she was murdered by somebody. I think it's possible that it could have been this guy.
1: Well, you know, it could have been a hitman.
0: Yeah, that's, could been, have hired that's
1: hitman. been brought up
3: too. But but I don't I, I don't think you would hire two private investigators yep. if you had something to do with it.
1: Agreed. Yeah, but if you knew that, you know, it was solid and they're not going to find anything anyway.
3: Yeah, but you would have had to have communication with whoever did this. If yeah. he if he hired somebody, there would have to be a trail of that.
1: And not only that, but I mean, you're with her for 10 years, you get married and now you want to kill her like you should have killed doesn't her. Add yeah,
0: up. I mean, doesn't add up. It's hard to imagine that she would have just up and left her husband. You know, we talked about this last night. Like she's, they were together. But Savannah made a really good point. She, you know, once when you're together for so long, and once you get married, it's not like anything really changed. She brought up the fact that like she and her husband were only they got married after only knowing each other for two years, mm-hmm. versus John and I were four and. They, I don't think they had lived, really lived together beforehand, so, like, they had a honeymoon phase. And she said, well, what about for you guys? Like, was it? Is it just the same? Is it different? And they're like, no, it's really the same. And she said, exactly. I think that's, you know, for people to say, oh, they got the honeymoon phase was over and that's maybe triggered her unhappiness um, doesn't really seem like a valid argument like they kind of knew what they were getting into mm-hmm. they've been together for so long so it does it still seems very strange that she would up and leave um but maybe because she had been divorced twice before she's thinking well <laughs> i don't want to get another divorce right. so like i just need some time to think well what was her relationship like with her kids um they're
1: their- The kids were both adults at the time.
0: Right. I think she was very close with her daughter.
1: And her son. Yeah. They were all very close. She was a very good mother. In fact, in one of the newspapers I read, the daughter, after she was missing and before she was found, it was like three months later, said she kept having this recurring dream where she, her, you know, the daughter had the dream of her being married, like the daughter being married, and then her mother just showing up at the wedding after she's been missing you know what i'm saying it's like oh here i am i i ran away but i wanted to see your wedding mm-hmm. you know so they were really close you could tell and the daughter also appears on on Un- unsolved mysteries on this case and you can tell she's very heartbroken about this mm-hmm.
0: Oh, oh I think we'd be remiss to say to not mention that there were supposed sightings of Judy, yeah. um, including one that has a little bit more weight than others. In Asheville, a woman saw her and this is days after she was she disappeared um, because the the coroner or whatever investigator said that they the body had been dead for a couple of months when they found it. So, so her body's found five months later. So she may have been killed you know, within days after she actually disappeared. Mm-hmm. So a couple of days after she is disappeared from Philadelphia, um, a woman in a shop in Asheville recalls seeing Judy or a woman who looked just like her and having a conversation with her with some very specific things, including that Judy was from Boston, that her husband was an attorney and that she, um, they were had just been in Philadelphia for a conference and that she was visiting the area, and that she had a daughter. Mm. So those are some very specific things um, that yeah. help point that it was Judy, and that she was possibly sane of mind and on her own free will, right, being down there.
1: Yeah, and a point I'd like to make about that, I don't, I don't put any weight on witness testimony statements. I mean, look how many people have seen Elvis since he's died, and Me- Tupac memories frailty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This woman, six, this woman can recall a year later that three days after Judy goes missing, she talked to her. And plus is Asheville a big tourist spot? How many people are from Boston? Yeah. How many people have husbands that are lawyers? You know what I'm saying? Right. So to put any weight on the witness statement would make you would mean you would have to equally put weight on all the witness statements, Mm -hmm. which one of them was she's driving a box truck. One of them, there were sightings of her all across the United States. She, in one point, had bought a little toy truck. There's just a a barrage of false statements. Right. And I don't believe people are making it up. I I believe the mind is an incredible thing, but it gets mixed up. You know, you read something in the paper, and then your memories... Actually, kind of mold to whatever you read. So she may have seen someone named Judy from Boston, but I mean, you know, this is a year later when she comes out and says that. I mean, come on. How many people come into her shop every day? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How many of them look like Judy? Mm -hmm. You know, a, a lot, right? Right. So I don't, I don't put any weight on that. And I think, to be honest, I don't even think that's her up there be 100% serious, I don't think as even her. Because it's not an exact match, and I don't know. But that's well, just I think my it theory. Is
0: a, well, I think, I think it's an exact match.
1: When the body was found, the bra was slashed up, so they believe it was a homicide, possibly a rape. You don't know, because it's just bones. But right. they could tell by the clothing is all tattered. Um, another theory out there is that she, she did go up willingly by herself. And that was all of her stuff. And then she committed suicide up there. There was a shallow grave, which she could have dug. That would be the perfect place to commit suicide. So your family would never have to, you know, suffer through that, knowing that you did it. And she could get into the shallow grave. Some of the pushback with that is, well, why is her backpack, her blue backpack, buried, you know, further away? And then her shirt buried even further away. Well, I mean, maybe because she didn't want to anyone. Maybe she didn't want anyone to find them. You know, when she's gonna kill herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my opinion. Was because, she
2: was she mentally sound?
1: I mean, she was she was mentally sound. But here's with the witness testimonies. Now everyone's like, oh, she did seem weird. She may have been kind of. But mentally that's all in Ill. hindsight. It's all yeah. It's I mean. Like I said, she could have had amnesia and not even knew where she was forever. But I don't know. Honestly, there's not much about this case. All we know is that she was missing from Pennsylvania. She ends up in North Carolina in the mountains. And that's it. She got up the mountains by herself. We do know that. And I don't know if she went up there and killed herself or someone killed her and then buried her. No one knows. But, and she may have not even been murdered because you can't really, it's not like she has stab wounds. She didn't have any flesh. She Mm. was bones, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, the hunters found bones. So to say that she was murdered is, is just speculation.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to say that she even went up there with anyone. She could have, she could have gone up by herself and just been murdered. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe she could have got attacked by a bear. Yeah. there could have been, been an accident. And that's
1: why the, the bra is all. Mm. Messed up, messed up. Because there are bears in Asheville. Mm. You better believe it. Big old Mm. black ones, too. Black bears. There's. That's what I just said. Yeah, I know. I'm just
2: (laughs) repeating. I I wasn't correcting. I was just I was just repeating. Yes.
1: Blue bears. (laughs) Yes. There's big old black bears in Asheville. One of the little towns there is called Black Bear. Oh. And I mean, she could have gotten slashed up by a bear. Who knows? She could have planned this whole thing, wanted a break from her husband and went down there and spent time in the North Carolina mountains. Sure, beautiful enough to do it, and she got killed by a bear. Nobody mm. knows. But that's the story of Judy Smith. There's not much out there. Sources are very thin and it's a lot of speculation. But um I believe that the husband had nothing to do with it. And he actually died a few years later. Mm. You know. So anyway, that's the story on Judy Smith. I want to thank Savannah from the missing podcast for weighing in on that story. It's a very interesting story as usual.
3: Thanks, Savannah. Yeah. It was fun.
1: And guys, this was a request from Savannah. Thank you so much. If you guys want to request your own stories for me to do, I am currently focusing on getting these requests out the way. So now is the perfect time. It's really easy. Go to talkmurder.com slash join or hit the support tab. It's $47. That's all you got to pay. We don't do recurring fees or anything. You get a badass T-shirt, some stickers and some swag. Plus, I'll do your story for you. And you'll be part of our private Facebook community and private forum. And your support helps us grow this podcast and helps us... And helps us to keep this thing rolling. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our Black Bear, go to talkmurcom slash join. Become a talkos primo, get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love, shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John Heward, Jen Nicole. Until next time, good night to you lovely, lovely people.